Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Yes, Jeremy Ruscha. Keep eating that. Keep eating that uh, Rice Krispie bar, there, buddy. It's delicious. <laughs> Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. 29th of September, 2014. Thanks for tuning in, Kevin Barnett, DJ Jeremy Ruscha, as usual, holding down the home court, holding court at the home court. Actually, we have another good show planned for you here today. We will have College Volleyball Weekly. As per usual, per usual, per usual, Vinny and Brandon will be joining us. Women's World Championships is happening. Round one is over. We'll talk about it. FIVB Brazil is gone, and that means the end of the beach season. Yep. It's over. We will discuss. And also, recapping the end of the season, and maybe even previewing his next season, because it started about two seconds ago, two weeks before yeah. his previous season ended, we do have for you on today's program head coach of the USA men's national team as well as the UCLA men, John Spraw. He will be on the program. So we are looking forward to a fun net live. Also known as the Dread Pirate. The Dread Pirate, John Sparoo. <laughs> oh man, I can't I can't wait to talk to him about plundering. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get any Booty while he was overseas. <laughs> yes, you're welcome, everybody. Good morning. Jeremy will be here till Thursday. Yep. Keep your waitresses, please. Yep. So, uh, Jeremy, it's been another interesting week uh, in the world. I actually had a friend of mine say to me yesterday that uh, this ISIS thing is very scary, to which I responded with, are you freaking kidding me? He's nervous to go to work. I, I don't understand. Uh, I do now, though. I guess ISIS is threatening the net live. Oh. I'm not sure if we put up a depiction of Muhammad or if we uh, declared that uh, Sharia law is not a good thing, but ISIS is now threatening the net live, and I'm I'm personally scared. I'm going to have to watch Fox News for the rest uh, of today. How come I did not have armed security transportation <laughs> from my house here, then, if that's the case, Kevin? I mean, you're easily identifiable via your condom socks. You're walking down the street. We can definitely see you. Love that you got such entertainment out of that. <laughs> Do you like my little pic? I had to do yeah, that. I yeah. had to zoom and crop. Yeah, and you had to do all kinds of weird things just to get your joke out there. If you look on Facebook, this this relates to at Jeremy's performance, his concert date that I went to up there in Silver Lake, which yep. there was a recap of last week. Mm-hmm. I'm standing there talking to Jeremy, 
I noticed his socks. Like, oh, those are, those are cool. I'm into cool socks. I'm into different socks. Because here's how I roll sometimes when I perform. I actually have custom tuxedo shorts. Yeah. Tuxedo shorts. They're tuxedo shorts. Okay. Um, and Cut so, to fit your five foot five frame. Correct. So I can okay. show everybody my awesome thighs. <laughs> and then I usually wear some type of shoe with some uh, colorful socks. So I usually go shorts, socks pulled up. Just let it. This part of my style when I perform. Yeah, you got to pull them up, or do you, do you roll those up? I don't know. No, do you have to roll no, those? That's not how that works. <laughs> they don't come out of a uh, one by one uh, sealed package. sealed plastic package. Yes, correct. That I get in the uh, hygiene section of CVS. I saw a South Park on Sex Ed, and I, I've been recording the Daily Show lately, and so my DVR ends up on. Uh, you get some of South Park. Yeah, so I, when I, frequently when I turn my DVR on, I end up with Comedy Central. And I end up with South Park on there, and I, I have not watched South Park since the beginning. And thanks to Mike Seeley for introducing me to South Park the summer that it came out, summer of 1997. Those that don't know, South Park came out on Comedy Central as a series. It was groundbreaking at the time, but before it even premiered, Mike Seeley had the five-minute short, the original South Park five-minute short, Santa versus Jesus. Nice. And we watched that thing 50 times, cackling like jackals. It was unbelievable. And then we started watching South Park. But you look it up. Go look up the Sex Ed South Park. It is one of the most hilarious, most wrong episodes I have I have seen <laughs> ever seen in your life. There is some really bad stuff happening. There. It starts off with Cartman flipping a dog over. And doing something that, quote, the fifth graders showed me. And he's telling the dog, give me the red rocket. Give me the red rocket. Come on, red rocket. Come on, red rocket. He's, he's whacking off the dog. Lovely. And that's just it goes on from there. So look that up. Do yourself a favor and watch the 20 minutes of South Park sex ed. We totally just lost. The reason 90, I bring it up is because they end up with the fourth graders, South Park characters, mm-hmm. fourth graders, wearing condoms. Lovely. So... Here's what happens with Jeremy at his show. He is there with his custom socks rolled up high, and I'm looking at him, and right behind him on the wall while I'm talking to him, there is a an ad that I'm now using as my bookmark, actually. I'm Lovely. reading. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm reading Plutocrats by Christian Freeland, mm-hmm. The Rise of the 1% and the Fall of Everyone Else. I, I recommend it. Um, I've been reading that, and my bookmark is this condom ad that was on the wall behind you that is rainbow-colored. Mm-hmm. Much like your socks. It's not that far off. So I put them side by side on our Facebook page. You can check it out. Safety first, Kevin. <laughs> Safety first. Your ankles weren't getting any diseases. No. They were not They were not going to have an issue. Yep. We had some good interaction this week uh, sent to us on our Facebook page, if I could find it, if I could locate it. Uh, Stephanie Chong Min Park sent us a video, actually of something that I have seen only once before and never seen a whole match. So thanks, Stephanie, for sending that. It's uh, Asian foot volley. Oh, yeah. I saw it in about 2000 on a National Geographic commercial. They would run this thing about the world and how National Geographic covers it. And one little three-and-a-half-second segment was this game that is played three-on-three, volleyball style, and what appears to be a badminton net, with what appears to be a handball, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with handball, but with your feet only. 
the flexibility and agility and control of these players, it's like four square plus volleyball plus badminton plus handball. That's basically all, all those sports merged into one, and it is super early. The flexibility, like you said, when we were watching it earlier, is unbel- I pulled the muscle just watching it. And the blocking. They're blocking with their feet. They're yeah. hitting with their feet. Yeah. It's crazy. And I've never serving s- alone. Yeah. Somebody throws it up to them, they basically bicycle kick it. Or karate. It's not even a bicycle. It's not backwards. Jumps forward, kicks the ball overhead, still lands on his feet, though. No, doesn't even jump forward on the serve. They stand there. Yeah, he jumps straight up and kicks it. I don't even think But I meant jumped. like he's facing forward. Yeah, he's facing forward. He's facing forward. And, yeah, he doesn't even jump. He has to keep his foot on the ground. They jump to block. They put their feet up to block. And to spike. And to spike with their feet. They jump and do that. That's Ooh. the most amazing thing. I like the choreograph uh, celebration afterwards, too. There, there's a lot of that. Look at that. You, you basically... Imagine kicking a ball right next to your ear while keeping your left foot on the ground. It's a leg whip. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've seen foot volley before. I've never seen three-on-three, though. And they do the same thing that that volleyball players do. They're protesting. No, that ball was in. That was in. By the way, it was out by a foot. Your serve was out. We just saw the replay. (laughs) So thanks to Stephanie for that. That's up on – we should share this on the Facebook page. I'm not sure you can always see those, but uh, that's – Remarkable. It, it's all written in in Japanese or Chinese or Korean. I'm not sure uh, what's what language we're looking at. It sounded to me like Japanese, but I'm not sure. I see Kia though. I'm, maybe I'm guessing Korean. Might be Korean. <laughs> but uh, it, simply remarkable. Fun, really neat to watch. The, the control and the body control and the mastery of that sport is pretty amazing. You think volleyball stuff? Try playing it with your feet. I can. Uh... I grew up playing soccer, so I do have control with my feet and my legs and stuff like that. But doing with those guys, I had no way. No way. Mm-mm. Not possible. Doing flips and stuff, and no. And kicking? Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get my foot next to my head without hurting myself? Oh, I not going to happen. My hip would be shot on the first play. Oh, yeah. I'd need surgery. Yeah. Well, that's typical for me, though. Yeah. Another good thing shared with us this week by Steve Crandall. He sent us the athlete plane. Oh, yeah. The Nike-funded athlete plane. Is that – I read the article there. Is that even in – are they even making that yet, or is that just a prototype? Like, oh, here's look what our idea is. Because the impression I was reading, it was like, oh, they're making this, and then kind of towards the end was this is what we're thinking about doing. Here's partly the problem. These renderings nowadays that they can do, Yeah. they look real. Yeah. They're photo real, yeah. so you don't know. I don't think it's been made yet. I think they should. I mean, obviously, we'll never get on it. They'll be using it for the two and a half hours between Cleveland yes. and yeah, Denver yeah, yeah. for the Cavaliers and LeBron James. They won't be using it for the 14 and a half hour single flight for the Americans. When they're sitting in coach. Yeah. That will not be getting used by any athletes that we know. I was thinking more of the uh, soccer teams around the world would be getting those. Yeah, soccer teams. Mm-hmm. McGee might get to ride on him, you know. Yeah, he's big time now. He's on one today. Yeah, he took might. one from his home in Redondo to uh, <laughs> downtown LA, I think. Manhattan. Yeah, <laughs> he went Manhattan del Segundo. Yeah, in the athlete plane. So yeah, the athlete plane it, it has some really cool ideas where you can have the decompression, the things that Reed talked about, the mm-hmm. polar legs. I forget the name of those things, but the the legs that that compress and they're meant to stimulate blood flow through your legs and, and speed your yeah. recovery by improving your circulation. Yeah. 
You can plug those in at seats. You can plug in ice and other things at the seats. You can have all kinds of sleep aids. If you're seven feet tall, you can still lay down and sleep. Simply remarkable and something that uh, I wish there was more money for in our sport. Yeah. That would be nice. Yep. But the athlete plane, pretty cool. We'll uh, get that posted. See if I can do that here while we're at a break. And they said <clears throat> the beds that fall down up to seven feet tall. Yeah. So if you're seven one, you're just... Oh, you're screwed. bummed out. Yeah, you're super bummed. <laughs> like, oh, i got to bend my knees on this thing? God, I wish I was 6'11". <laughs> oh, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> That's great. Speaking of athletes. Yes, Kevin, referring to me? Someone who's about to be a non-athlete. Oh, sorry. An ex-athlete. Yeah. Begin the next chapter of his life, Derek Jeter. Yes. You mentioned to me that uh, we should talk about it. Yeah, and you had this response I was not expecting. Like, I don't care about Derek Jeter. I don't know. You don't have to be a baseball fan, but you're a sports guy, Kevin. 20 years. Remarkable. Yeah. Absolutely remarkable to go to play any sport for 20 years. Yeah. To play it at the level Jeter has played it for 20 years. And didn't he do it right? I believe he started against the Orioles and ended against the Orioles. Ended against the Red Sox. Oh, well, at home, the Orioles. Oh, okay. Right. So gotcha. he started at home, I think, in Yankee Stadium. His first appearance was against the Orioles. His last appearance in Yankee Stadium, I believe, was against the Orioles. That's cool. And the folks who were getting... Oh, I don't know. Aggravated about the fact that he he was going out at at Boston, and there was some talk of he shouldn't play the last game because it's at Boston and it's not at home. He, he should go out. Of, he, shut up. He DH'd in Boston. It was fine. Just whatever. He plays. He can do what he wants. It was cool that Pedroia and those guys came out. I think it was Pedroia. Somebody, one of the little Red Scott Red Sox mm-hmm. guys, came out and gave him some memorable stuff. I saw Big Poppy. Yeah. Giving out some presents. I mean, that's cool. To appreciate someone that's brought that much to the game over the last 20 years is very cool. Look, you get some uh, negative stuff on Jeter because they're like, oh, you got him up so much. He wasn't the greatest baseball player ever. You know, he just had solid numbers throughout the years, blah, blah, blah. Sure, no problem. But didn't he do it right? Like, isn't he the type of athlete that we do want to celebrate? Who knows? What, I have no idea how he was off the field. Don't know, don't care. But you didn't hear about him doing stupid things off the field. Right. You know, he was never really in the cloud of the steroid discussions. You know, you didn't hear him about a hotel in Atlantic City beating somebody up. He did it. He came to work every day, played as hard as he could, and, you know, it was a successful baseball player. And doing it in New York, too, is extremely difficult. And that is the type of athlete that needs to be celebrated. And I do also think we have Geeter-type athletes in the sport of volleyball. They show up every day. They work their butts off Did in training during Jeter the week. Jeter or Geeter? Jeter. I may have said Geeter. Oh, I think you said Geeter. <laughs> no, same thing. Geeter does, Geeter does work his butt off, that's for sure. But, you know, those are the type of athletes we should be celebrating and kids can look up to. Because I, I don't know anything about Jeter off the court other than they linked him to a bunch of hot chicks throughout his career. Which, Ooh. fine. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, happy Bravo, for him. Bravo, yeah. Derek. But that's not what people most people talk about. They talk about his work ethic and him showing up every day and playing as hard as he could and being a solid baseball player. That's all we should be talking about. Yeah. I think that's all people did talk about. Yeah. So so a good exit by Jeter. Mm-hmm. I was wondering about... Not, not Geeter. I was wondering about other good exits. John Elway. Yeah, that's an immediate one. Super Bowl. I mean, you can't... Back-to-back Super Bowls. Lloyd Ball? Do you give Lloyd Ball then that? Gold medal? Last time he played was that the his last team? Was that his last match? Last match ever, gold medal. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not a bad way to go out. I would take it. Okay. Any other good volleyball ones? How'd Karchi go out? What was Karchi's last match? 
That's a great question. Um, he was still successful at the end of his career. Him and Lambert won some tournaments. Uh, they were beating people when Karch had like his left arm only. He was literally like he could not swing. Yeah, he needed to have surgery in the offseason. Couldn't swing. And they were he was passing so Lambert could hit. And... They were doing eye formation. It was awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. It was awesome. Um, he didn't have the storybook ending like oh he went out like his last match was a win at Manhattan Beach. You know, like there wasn't that. Oh, you mean like Matt Furbringer? Yeah. And is that the end, or is that just uh, is that a an addendum? Is that a a bonus chapter? I mean, it is, is that but the, that's the end, right? Is because that the director's cut? He was training. Of Matt Furbringer. He was training up till like January, February, March of that season to play beach, and then when the national team thing came up, he was like, "Well, I kind of have to do that," which is totally understandable. Then they're like, "Ah, oh, let's just bring it back for one more," and that one more is Manhattan Beach Open. If I get Matt Furbringer the movie, do I have to watch the extras No, that's, in order to get the Manhattan no. Beach? No. The extra is him a year later at the pure ceremony. That's the extra. Oh, that's the extra. Yeah. Okay. So it's still it's still part oh, of... Oh, it's the end of the movie, Kevin. That's the end of the movie. It's the end of the movie. And me running into his arms and it's like, oh, Matt, we did it. <laughs> oh. No, that wasn't me. Sorry. He's smooching you? He's giving you the kiss? And they, no, I don't. They freeze frame no. on that and go out with some sweet... Yeah, just... Exactly. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> You awesome. and Furby in an embrace. Awesome. Freeze frame. Yep. Soften it up. Mm-hmm. Fade out with some really nice 80s upbeat, something with a saxophone music. Mm-hmm. Gardhoff, I'm drawing you the picture right now, buddy. It's, it's hardly any work to get it done. I've already got the whole thing produced. <laughs> yes. Just slow motion me taking the headphones off in the DJ booth. Jumping down to the sand. Hands up. Hurtling over the banners. <laughs> running Furby down because he's running around the court like a madman, not knowing who to hug or kiss or yell or high-five to. Grabbing on about mid-thigh. And I just jump as high as I can, and Furby catching me about his waist height. Not sure if I weigh enough to take him down to the sand or not. He grabs you, arms around you. You lean back as far as you yeah, can, as right fist can. in the yeah, air. Just, Freeze uh, frame, fade out. We should just end the show right now. <laughs> walk off. That was awesome. That's it. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's how Furby's movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's going to be so upset when he hears about this. Yeah, we should post that right now. Matt Furbringer, tune in to hear about the end of your oh, personal film. So good. You've heard of, you've seen Seabiscuit. This is Furbiscuit, the film. That's what Casey Jennings called him for a while because remember when Furby had the uh, messed up foot? He called him Furbiscuit. It was awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So congratulations, Derek Jeter. Yeah. The game will miss you, no doubt. For sure. But he'll be around. This is the guy who will have, uh, I'm sure, a long career broadcasting, pontificating. If that's what he wants. Yeah. Taking apart. Yeah. I mean, good point. Yeah. Good point. That will be there. That option will be there. But Jeter in a place where he can do it or not do it, it's up to him. Which often makes for the best commentary. Charles Barkley. He doesn't need the money. Doesn't care. He doesn't need the situation. He just gets to be Sir Charles, and that's good for the game. Paying him for being him. All right. Well, we also had some other things happening uh, this week. <laughs> we we will get to Women's World Championships, but we're going to get to the most important part of it first. Uh, the Russian volleyball fashion, the fashion innovations that are happening with the women's national team. We posted a picture of this and somebody uh, tweeted back at us about the fingerless gloves that their libero wears. 
current, right? That that's not a current photo, but that is that. I remember still on from the last team? year. I did not notice the libero in this one. I was just watching the start of the match, and we'll get to the match results because it was unbelievable. Um, I was just watching the start of the match because, and, and I noticed the dark amber glasses that are being worn by number twenty-two on Russia. She was a defensive sub, correct? Looked like a defensive sub. Yeah. She didn't look like pull out to here, maybe I don't know, setter or what. But my first thought was that she has some type of eye issue if that's going to be that dark of a lens. Yeah, because it wasn't like okay. Think of a hunter. Think of the amber hunting lenses, right? The contrast lenses yeah. that you see on skeet shooters yeah, or what whatever. Like. Yeah. Didn't but it was, it was far darker than that. It was more like a, an amber sunglass inside. Yeah. Let's make a noise over there, Kevin. Uh, it's probably our show. Stop actually. ruining the show. Yeah, it's our show. Oh, great. Um, yeah, it was a very dark sunglass to the point of being something you wouldn't wear indoors and you wouldn't think would be beneficial. Unless the ball lights up or something. Well, that's what I'm thinking. It's either eye issue, so she needs to wear that shade of color, mm-hmm. and or it's, it is like a hunting lens where it makes the ball pop more, so it's a performance enhancer. Man, it's dark, though. That's how I looked at it. Performance enhancing. Yeah, that's a slippery slope discussion right there about what's performance enhancing. She should be tested. <laughs> for, for what? For her Do you look? have amber glasses? Yeah. Yes. Okay. How many geez. fingers are I holding it behind my back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you see through me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But the fingerless gloves, I asked about it. You said that that, she was the libero, right? Yeah, and I saw it even a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And she does have a sweet tattoo. She has an awesome tattoo. But the fingerless gloves are for a medical condition on her palms. It is a skin condition that is present on her palms, and she has approval to wear gotcha. those gloves. was my understanding at the time we were doing the broadcast. And it doesn't surprise me at all, having traveled Europe and Eastern Europe. And yeah. There's some stuff floating around that people go, oh, yeah, uh, we don't know what it is. We, that's not good. Like, really? Half my hand just fell off. You don't know what that? No. Uh, how that happened? Uh, BJ Evans, who was there, said that certain angles, it looked like she had an eye patch. Oh. So maybe she's... Well, I wonder if that meant she had an eye patch underneath the goggles, or the goggles look like an eye patch from a certain angle. Let's talk about how good she is that she's... If she has an iPad, she's playing with one eye, and she's still outperforming other people. Oh, yeah, for sure. If that was the case, that's a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like snowboard goggles for night riding, Cam Kerr says, yeah, but they're they're darker than that. That was the thing. I've seen folks wear the contrast lenses, the yeah. amber lenses, Yep. but this is way darker. Way darker. Way darker. I don't know. Well, didn't help him win the match. Uh, no, it did not. Oh. BJ Evans, I'm just watching on Universal Sports. Oh, my bad. Sorry, note, note about Universal Sports. They are doing it without commentary. Is that a good choice or isn't that a good choice compared to what BN was doing with their commentators? Well, and as I asked, they were just streaming it online, correct? Yeah. I'm okay with no commentating, just streaming strictly online. If it was a TV broadcast, obviously I'd be oh. upset. All right, so here's here's a dark lens. It looks about right. Yeah, ski goggle. Yeah, that, that's a dark. But hers weren't even like imagining. ski goggles. They were like sunglasses well, with the croak thing holding them under her dome. Yeah, they're by Adidas. Different different color, but definitely that dark. So yeah, maybe maybe it is the same principle. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. We also posted a picture of a uh, a model. Someone modeling. Yeah. A. Awesome Suicide Doors t-shirt. Yep. wonder who that was. 
see if you can figure it out. Go to our Facebook page and see if you recognize any part of the individual. Yeah, really it was the, a devastatingly handsome person. Really, the photo was just of the shirt, so the head was cut off. Was it necessary to cut the head off this individual? Do you need the head? I don't know. It's on the shirt, Kevin. <laughs> Oh, boy, Cam Kerr is upset because the Eagles lost him his pro-line. I don't know what pro-line is. Maybe something where you got to pick everything perfectly. He, Cam bet his uh, mortgage this month <laughs> on the Eagles and lost is basically what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, let's take uh, just a quick break here. We're going to be right back on the other side with uh, the Dread Pirate. Does he know this yet? Has he heard that? I, I, we're going to find out. We're going to find out if he is aware of what was going on here in the States. Okay. But he will get the appropriate introduction Momentary. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. The net live, right back. Four teams make it to the championship round, but who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. Get right back at it. And the best way to see it is to experience it live. Could be a big Fourteen NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today. This is your... This is it right here? Yeah. So get after it. You got about a, <laughs> got about a minute 20 left in this song. We're going to let it roll a little bit. Okay. You might know this man from UCLA. You might know this man from the men's national team. You might know him from his days as an anteater. He won a national championship as a player, came back, built a program, won a national championship as a coach, then decided he would kick a legend out. He would say, Sit down, old man. It's my turn. I'm going to take your job. And then a year later, he would say, you know what? This isn't enough for me. I need more to do. I have too much free time. I might even be able to have a personal life. So I must find more work. And he took on the USA men's national team and took them back to the World League Finals and won World League for the second time this year. Later, he would plunder. He would raid and destroy unknown parts of Poland. And now he joins us here on the show, the Dread Pirate, John Sprue. Oh, my gosh. That that background music, Barney, gave you the most enthusiastic introduction of all time. Thank you. That was amazing. <laughs> John, are you, are you aware of what was going on here with the announcing and, and why you are the Dread Pirate? I, I have a no. I have no idea. I mean, I did hear that they were pretty bad, but uh, I didn't realize I'd become a, a caricature. Uh, I, I did. I do know, however, that my name gets mispronounced in so many ways, and the most common one is Sparrow, which of course leads to Jack Sparrow. And actually, when I was in Poland, one of the fans there, uh, you, you know, Barney, and, and maybe some people do, but the fans there are incredible. I mean, just. Yes. They're the most supportive fans, uh, most enthusiastic fans, I think, in the world. We played Italy, and so you're playing a match versus Italy, and the home team isn't there. Sell out, 15,000 people were there. And on that night, one of the fans came down, and she wanted to take a photo with me. Thousands of fans stand around the sidelines to, to wait for autographs every night. And as I was walking off, 
there was the, these two women that were yelling at me, and I look up, and she has actually drawn a pretty good picture <laughs> of me as the Dread Pirate. Yeah, and she wanted me to sign it, which of course I had to do at that point. And it was, and then I took a photo with it, and I I might have put it on Twitter, I don't know. And then uh, the next night she came, or another match, she came back and actually uh, gave me a copy, which I'll probably actually frame and put in my office. It's pretty classic. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. we we had some some issues, a couple of things we might have heard from a few people about what was going on with the announcing and pronunciations of people's names and so on that, that were happening here in the States. But uh, you mentioned the fact there were 15,000 people in the arena for a match that did not include the home team. Uh, the atmosphere in Poland, did you guys feel like you were a part of a real sport? <laughs> uh, certainly, I think you feel that more than than anywhere else. Uh, you have some matches where you're in some other countries, Italy, Brazil, some of the even Russia, we played when we played Russia in World League, they were sold out there. I mean, you you find some places that have that kind of enthusiasm, but certainly it was notable in Poland, and it always has been. And uh, yeah, you, you do. I mean, you look up, and they had a brand new arena when we were in Krakow. We were playing this brand new arena. They had just opened it up in June. I think quite reminiscent of Staples, maybe not as nice, but uh, kind of the double bowl thing with some luxury suites around the middle and. And it's sold out with 15,000 people, and it makes you feel like, gosh, this is what it's like if you're an NBA player. This is what it's like if you're playing some other sports that, that gets fan support like that. It's fun. I mean, it gives a, a new element to it and, and certainly is, is great for our guys. Did this carry over to out in the city as well, not just in the arenas? Because like the London Games, one of the nice things about it was you felt like it was the Olympics throughout the entire city. No matter where you went, people were kind of into it. Were you getting uh-huh. that into the world championships even when they weren't in the arenas? Uh, it wasn't quite like that. Um, and I think in some respects, you know, when you're in the Olympics, you have you have all these sports that are all over the city, and it's in one particular city, and that people, mm-hmm. you get inundated. And, when, and you also kind of get out in the city, and they make it a huge event. And you have big screen TVs and the major quads and all that throughout the city. And it's not quite like that here, although um, they do make the event itself quite entertaining um there oftentimes are big screen tvs outside the arena so because there'll, there'll be fifteen thousand people inside but there'll be another two three five thousand people outside that can't get in so they put big screens on the outside and they'll have like a, a full it's almost like tailgating at a football game they'll have all kinds of food and all that for people and they'll stand outside and watch the match outside we uh actually <laughs> It was not. I mean, it was a terrible moment for us. But after we lost to Argentina, that effectively helped Poland. So it was the old, we actually get quite good support when we're in Poland. Um, I think they're one of the few countries that really enthusiastically supports the United States. Nice, um, so nice. we feel really comfortable there. But at the end of that tournament, they actually needed us to lose because we had beaten them. So when we were playing Argentina and, and Australia, we we weren't getting the support we were early. And then after we lost they turned on the big screen in the arena and outside the arena and nobody left, you know, so you have a sold out arena and they put the Poland match on. I can't remember who they were playing. I think France and uh, everybody stayed and cheered and watched the match on TV together. I mean, it's a really, and we, we actually eventually left and hopped on the bus and went outside and we went past the outdoor area where they had the big screen TV and it was packed standing thousands of people watching the big screen. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. 
Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, we had a report from several people on site that there were 10,000-plus outside of the finals match where Poland, of course, was victorious. And the, the support yeah. for volleyball in that country is, is remarkable, uh, something that I saw years and years ago when I went there to play professionally, you could already see it growing and it's grown exponentially beyond that. Uh, very cool experience. And I would expect, John, I don't know if, if there are any further world events you know of that are going to be held in Poland, but I would expect uh, Poland to be a return trip for the FIVB. Yeah, I, there's, they haven't determined where the uh, the world championships are going to be in four years. I think they have for the women, um, but uh, I think they're going to be in Japan for the women, if I'm not mistaken. They have not made that determination for the men yet. I hear rumors of Russia in four years, but I know for years and years, I think it was in Japan, almost like clockwork, right. I think. And uh, right. if they wanted to do it in Poland, I mean, I think I'd be okay with that. Obviously, it helps Poland quite a bit. I mean, they definitely had some home cooking. And, uh, you know, when you're at home and you have that comfort level, that that's always really nice. And so maybe they won't want to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's a great place to go play. We go play World League there next year, and, and that's always a great time too. Any Any event you can do in Poland, I remember – um, I told my parents years ago, I said, hey, if I ever get the national team job and we play in Poland, you've got to go to Poland. And uh, last year, my very first year, we did play in Poland, and I, they flew out and they had an amazing experience. It's one of those places where you can actually tell your parents to come show up because it's going to be safe. It's going to be a great event. It's going to be something that they've never seen before as a supporter of volleyball. And um, next year when we play in Poland, I mean, I, I, I'm dead serious when I'm talking to your, your listeners. If you're an American volleyball fan, and you've ever thought about traveling to go overseas to watch a volleyball match, we play in World League in Poland next year. I don't know the city. They haven't determined that yet. But that's something you should consider doing if you're a real volleyball fan. That's something you want to see. Going to Poland would be my number one recommendation. Well, I think if you need my DJ services on the plane or the bus to and from the arena, I'm I'm happy to be on the staff. Just let me know. Maybe we need you. Rochelle, yeah. we need you. Uh, we were a little bit flat in that Argentina match. Maybe we needed a better uh, better lineup on the tunes. Just uh, bed and breakfast uh, coverage for me, and I'm good to go. I'll be there. <laughs> Deal's getting done right here on the Net Live. Uh, John, we'll, we'll get back to World Championships in a second, but I want to kind of take you to an overall broader view of the USA 2014 season. Uh, give your team, your program, a grade for what you wanted to accomplish versus the results. Um. A B, you know, I mean, it was so close to being an A. And obviously, yeah. certainly early in the summer, it was, I mean, A+. plus. Uh, you know, I think winning World League was probably a surprise to to maybe all of us. Um, but I think we earned it. You know, I think you watched us play and, and how we played in that final. We, we watched some of that final again as we were getting ready to to play in World Champs. And we were playing some really nice, high-level volleyball. That was good volleyball, and uh, good volleyball for any period within a quad. And so for us to be at that level, I think, now is uh, a real step forward from the summer before and certainly gives us great optimism about what we can accomplish in the future. Um, I think uh, in, in kind of getting to the world champs, there's a lot to digest from that. I don't know that we really have entirely yet. I know that I have not. Um but it was a real disappointment, I think, for us, not just because I think the expectations were built after World League, but simply because we got we had such a tough pool. We struggled early. We righted the ship with two huge matches against Poland and Serbia on back-to-back nights. 
and took care of business like we did and really played one of our better matches of world champs against Australia. Yep. And to be one match away from going on to essentially, they, they formatted the last round of the world championships exactly like the World League Finals, so two pools of three. So we were one match away. All we needed to do was win. Didn't have to. All we had to do was win in five, and we didn't have to win in three or four. And and uh, and we would have gone on to essentially the last round and played for potentially a medal, and, and to fall short, and, and to be so uh, I don't know flat and and not playing our game at that point. That's one thing that we have been really good at this summer is when the match was on the line and it was a big match. We've played very very well. We played really well in Serbia when we had to win that last match. Uh, we struggled early in World League Finals, but we played very well in the semis, very well in the finals. I felt like this was a team that was playing in those big moments very, very well. And for us to get to that last match and not, I, I mean, that really stinks. And so, you know, I think we were really close. I mean, I think the summer would have been an A had we even made the, the final round of World Champs and maybe not medal. I think uh, it would have been an A for a summer, but yeah, now that, that knocks us down. What are the couple of points in the world championships that you maybe want back or something you felt well, a decision was made and it was pivotal, went kind of the wrong way? You guys finished 6-3 and three, uh, total on the tournament. Uh, I would have liked to have started a, a little bit better. Uh, Belgium's a good team. Uh, I would have liked to have played a little bit better early, but that's not that uncommon sometimes in those tournaments to kind of start off and have a tough early match. Obviously, losing 17-15 in the fifth to Iran was brutal, especially the way it ended. I, I don't know if you remember that one or people saw it on TV. I don't know what they were able to see, but we, we had instant replay, which all in all is a wonderful addition to our sport. I mean, I, and I know that there was always a lot of controversy early, even when the NFL was implementing it, and, and we certainly have a ton of it now in terms of how they implement it for us. Yeah. They were attempting to call touches. So it works wonderfully for lines. I mean, it really – I don't know that there was very many errors during the tournament when it involved a line call, which is great. When it gets complicated are two issues. One is the center line violation because there's no cameras that coordinate when the ball goes down – with the center line violation. So it happened a couple times. It actually almost cost us the match. I mean, we should have won in three against Poland. And uh, they yeah, they asked for a center line violation. Taylor had gone under on a bick. So he had hit the ball. The ball had been killed okay, or gone off the top of the block really deep out of play. And then as he finished, he literally turned around to celebrate with his teammates and put his foot underneath the net, and the ref couldn't figure out when the ball went down versus when the center line violation occurred, and they gave the point to Poland. That that, that sent me through the roof. Uh, and then uh, um, we ended up winning, obviously, in four. Thank goodness, because that would have been really that would have really frustrated me. Um, and then the other thing that occurred specific to where I was getting out the Iran matches, the touches. And I mean that's a really tough thing to do in any circumstance. Um, but when you watch it at home on TV, or you ironically watch the TV feed in the arena, it's these really nice HD high frame rate cameras. And the technology that they're using for the instant replay is not high def, high frame rate cameras. Right, we've seen that on the coverage here. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is that they don't see a touch or they make a mistake and then they put it up on the TV view in the arena and everybody's freaking out. 
and uh, that cost us uh, an opportunity to, to extend that match versus a raw, and we ended up losing 17-15. I mean, it was it was a brutal touch. And the problem is, is once instant replay is now implemented, uh, the linesmen and the referees stop calling plays. They, they don't focus as much on the touch because they just expect, oh, you know, if it's a ticky-tack touch, they'll instant replay it and they'll get the call right. So we blast the ball off this guy's hand. I call for the replay, and the guys – on the court, because we've got to know Ron pretty well. They, they obviously played those four matches here in Southern California. They're they, they're great guys, great team. I get along with the coach pretty well. So here it is. Should be, what, 16 all in the fifth, and the guys are talking amongst each other at the net because this is taking a while, and they're laughing about it. And then the referee <laughs> comes off the side and gives the mat to Iran. And, you know, I understand what was going on there. Actually, we fortunately had two really good refs in, in that match. The up ref from Russia is very good. The down ref from Argentina is very good. And the down ref from Russia actually came down because he knew it was screwed up and went with the Argentine ref and took a second look at it. I mean, this is pretty unprecedented. And uh, they they just came to me and they said, listen, we can't see it, and we have to call it as it was called on the court. And they gave the match to Iran. So, I mean, that one that one hurt. And then – and that ultimately cost us our ability to go on the next round, too, because Iran was the team that got in when we got knocked out. And uh, so that one hurt, too. Uh, France, I tell you what, you don't hear much about France. You hear about Russia, Brazil, Italy, uh, Poland, some of the traditional powers. I'm telling you, France is going to be one of the best teams in Europe, if they're not already, in just the next couple of years. I mean, they're they're better than a lot of teams, and uh, they're really young. The whole team is like 24 years old. That team is going to be a bear to beat in the future. And um, they flat beat us, and they deserve to beat us. And so I think that was really good for us because I, um, I think it's important for, for us to see that there's some other teams that we may not be aware of that are getting better and working hard and are young and have as much potential as we do, and we have to stay on our edge. And uh, – so that one was tough. Well, we played pretty well versus uh, Italy. Uh, Zaitsev got hurt in that match, but we were actually beat yep. in the first set and we're up in the second set when he got hurt. I, I felt pretty good about that match. You never like to see a player like that go down. And that negatively affected them the rest of the tournament. It actually probably hurt us too because we needed Italy in the second round to beat some teams, and they after that they, they didn't play very well. So that in the end actually hurt us. So, um I don't know. That was that was those were the early rounds. That's kind of the basic synopsis of it. Um, you know, I, you go into that second round and you you basically have to win out in order to move on. And and we we did a great job. And we beat Poland and Poland. And we beat Serbia again in another tight side out battle, especially early in that match. And uh, we did what we needed to do. We just couldn't couldn't finish, which is unlike this team and and what makes it so disappointing. Yeah, you guys are the only team to defeat Poland in that tournament, and Poland the only team to defeat Brazil. They did it twice, including in the championship match. Uh, what are some of the weaknesses, John, you've identified, kind of our first-order items for two, 2015? Uh, we're going to have to play better defense. If you look at the teams that beat us um, in this tournament, our three losses were to uh, France, Iran, and Argentina. And so one thing that each one of those teams did is they dug the ball. I mean, they really prolonged rallies against us and played, they played unbelievable defense. Iran actually uh, didn't play defense like that against us at all in any of the matches that we played them, including the World League Finals. They, they really had a nice match digging the ball. Um, 
France, that's what they do. That's what they're known for. They were unbelievable in that match defensively. And then Argentina, another country that historically has a great defensive system, and, and they, they dug the ball real well. So we're going to have to figure out how teams like that and have beat us. Uh, I think we're going to spend a lot of time probably defensively on our side of the net, uh, longer rallies, how we, how, we, uh, how we attack and transition, although that number typically had been pretty decent for us this summer. So um, that's, that concerns me a lot, you know, how we, how we do that. And certainly we need to match their defensive intensity. I think our team can dig the ball a lot more. And you're seeing some teams at this level. I mean, I think the, the assumption is at this level the ball's getting hit so hard that you better block it. And I think that's not necessarily the case. You're seeing some teams out there at the highest level who are winning matches not at the net but digging the ball. It's really impressive. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's something we need to look at. We, we are not a great defensive team in the backcourt. Uh, we need to dig the ball at a much higher level. So I think that's that's someplace we're going to start. Uh, that's not to ignore the block because I think our team has the chance to become a, a pretty good blocking team. And there's not a lot of great blocking teams in the world, so that could separate us from a, a lot of other teams. Uh, we did spend a significant amount of time talking about blocking in the early part of August when we had that training block after World League, and it probably helped us a little bit, but we need to continue to to, to work at that level. I, I think a lot about uh, the defensive side. I think our offense, certainly Taylor Sander has, has helped us a lot. I think we could set a lot more BIC, but I think as you know, you're looking two years down the road, Michael will have a, be a, a year out of college and have a year under his belt playing professionally. Taylor will have two years. Uh, Maddie will have more time at opposite. You know, I, I think offensively our team will be in a pretty good place uh, a couple years from now. Um, we're going to have to continue to obviously improve on how we pass the ball and all that. But I think in general we have some real room to grow in terms of how we defend. Can somebody put down a second end line for Max Holt while he's serving? Can that happen? Is yeah, that, uh, yeah. that possible? No, I say I say that kind of kidding because I, I think Max Holt had a, a tremendous year, and you can tell me because my next question is who impressed this year. Um, but there were yeah. some little things like that that were for Max in particular that continued to baffle me that that was happening in World Championships late in the season. I saw it in World League as well. It was one of those little things. I, I, I don't know, Barney. <laughs> you know, <laughs> those, those, those obvious coaching comments, that, you know, like hit the ball in. Uh, you know, I try to avoid those as much as I can, you know. Um, but, yeah, staying behind the line, end line would be great. And and it's not like he doesn't hit it hard enough. Like, he, he, if he was another foot behind the line and he hit it with that velocity, it wouldn't matter. You know, he's still going to score points. So, I don't so know. There's, there's, there's so many things that I think we can improve on. I mean, I, I, that's what I feel good about. As much as the last loss hurts, I think we're going to learn and grow from it. I think this team is – has upside. You know, there's some other teams out there in the world. They don't maybe have as much upside. Um, maybe they have some guys that they could bring in. You know, I think Russia is good, really good. I, um, I didn't see any of their matches late in world champs. So I, I need to kind of observe what they were doing, but they, they have some more players that they brought in. And um, so they have some upside, but we have upside in terms of our youth and some of the young guys that we have on the court right now. I mean, we really have a chance to, to, to get better. So that's what we're just going to focus on. Yeah. Who impressed you this year? Who do you think really had an exceptional season? I, I, I know if Max is on that list. He was kind of on my short list. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Max has become one of the, the best middles in the world. And you can see it, especially, I think you saw at World League Finals where he was able to match up against Lucas and, 
Mazursky, and you can see him attack the ball at a really high level. And even in the World Champs, he, teams were just starting to really commit on him. And, well, they were doing it a lot of the summer. But some of the bigger mill, middles, um, uh, I might mispronounce his name, but Lisinek from Serbia, you know, here's a guy that's a flyer and big. He's dead committing on Max. And Max has now learned how to hit a high flat out of the middle. And he's just blasting. I mean, really impressive. I, I didn't teach him how to do that. <laughs> I've never yeah. taught a middle to do that in my life, you know. By the way, hit a high flatty. Um, you know, he's blasting these high flat shots off the middle. It's, he's become a real offensive force in the world of armor. And as a middle serving, he certainly had points during the season where he was really impacting our team's ability to score points from the end line, which is, you know, you're trying to figure out how, how your team's going to win matches. And, of course, the model for USA Volleyball over the last 8 to 12 years was Clay Stanley going back there and bombing away. And we have to replace those points. And you, you can see that other countries have very similar models to what the U.S. was doing the last 12, 8 to 12 years. And, and that is that maybe they have one primary guy that goes back there and just bombs away. You can see it. You can see it with uh, Vlasley in, in Poland. I mean, he's really the only guy that goes back there and just absolutely lights it up, and he lights it up. And uh, and, and everyone else, they put some pressure on you, but they have a bunch of float servers. I mean, they basically have him going back there and bombing away. Um, Germany has the same situation. There's other countries that that have. A very similar philosophy. I think we have a chance to have multiple guys. I mean, Matty Anderson should be a, a guy that can go back there and be a point scorer. We have to talk about what he needs to do with his serve. I think he, he has some real growth potential with his serve. Um, he hits it at a really high velocity. He's got a ton of spin on it, so it's a pretty true ball. We're going to have to figure out how to manipulate that a little bit. We're going to have to figure out what angle he needs to serve it at. Um, he does not score at a high enough rate for us right now, but he, he obviously hits it at a velocity and a consistency uh, well, consistency can improve too, but I think he uh, he, he has potential, and, and and Max does too, and um, we have some guys that can really move the ball around. I think Micah Micah's serve actually probably wasn't as good this summer as it was the previous summer. Uh, he was really consistent for us the summer before. Uh, he was best server at North Seca, scored a ton of points. His ball is not true; has a little bit of knuckle to it. His error rate this summer was much higher. Um, we're going to have to kind of take a look at his technique. We we did a little bit late, and some of it probably has to do with the fact that you know, half of his season when he was at SC, he had a hurt back and wasn't really playing a whole lot. So, I don't know. I think we have a chance to be a, a, gro- a great team effort serving team, which a lot of countries don't have. So, um, I don't know. I'm rambling with getting on to your question here. But, you know, obviously Taylor Sander was a huge change for us this summer, changed the way our, our team performed dramatically, so I think you, you can't have a conversation about who impressed you without talking about some of the new guys that came in and, and made a difference, and he's certainly one of them. Um, I think Matt did a pretty nice job at opposite. I mean, he, he, it was his first summer where he was totally committed to that position. Um, yep. He's pretty mindful about how he moves the ball around, but for a guy that doesn't play opposite to go in and, and perform like he did, I mean, I mean, he did great. I mean, he was always point scorers in, in all of World League. He was one of the top point scorers in all of the world champs, so uh, I think he did well too, and yeah, David Lee. I mean, I thought he had a great summer. I really did. I mean, even in that last match, I, you know, I was looking maybe to make a move and bring in David Smith, who was so good when he came in versus Serbia. Right. And I, 
you know, I was thinking maybe we're going to be in a position because David comes in, David Smith comes in and really brings a ton of energy, a jump server that he can score points with. and He, he just brings a different look. And uh, maybe he's somebody that we're going to use for that reason. And I was thinking about that moment, and especially in the fourth set, and I'm looking at David's numbers, and that guy's playing like it's his last world chance. And uh, he's hitting like 750. I'm not taking him off the court, you know. And obviously he, he blocked real well, and he had a great world, world League final. So I think David had a really nice summer. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know. In general, a lot of guys had good summers, but they all have room to improve, and that's just where I'm looking at now is what we're going to do next summer. You're listening to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. We're talking to U.S. Men's National Team Head Coach John Spara. And, John, before we move off the national team for a second, about the setting, I was kind of pumped this year that I saw James Shaw's name on the World League roster. We never did see him. You've mentioned Micah uh-huh. and the future of the setting position. How much competition do you think there still is at that spot over the next two years? Oh, I think there's definitely room for some competition there. Um, I, I mean, Micah, Micah's playing great volleyball, and I think Micah has great upside. So, um, you know, I, I think he's got he, – I mean, he's the incumbent. Um, I'm not one to just yank guys in and, in and out and around. I think he's going to start off being our guy. But I, I think, um, you know, I, I think competition is always good and healthy, and we need to make sure that we're continuing to, to improve our team and – you know, I think there's some young guys like like James. James didn't, James was uh, a little banged up after his Stanford season. It's it's a little challenging for for him to come in and really impact World League because Stanford ends in the middle of June, and so we put him on the World League roster. But that might actually be even tough to do again this year. We had Riley McKibben who really hadn't spent any time in the national team gym come in and do a real nice job. So I feel like we've got. Uh, uh, another setter there that could potentially be that fourth guy on the World League roster. Um, and then uh, Ryan Ammerman had a real nice summer, too. And in fact, Ryan had a real nice summer. So, I mean, I think there's some other guys there. And obviously, Kavika was with us the whole time. So, you know, I, I think we have four guys right there, five guys if you include James. we, we got to figure out what to do with James. I think he's got some real potential, obviously, for the the long term for us, I'd like it to be the short term. I don't know how that happens with him at Stanford right now with the late start and the fact that he's not going to graduate until just before the Olympics. I, I, I don't know how he ends up being uh, this quad kind of guy, even though I, we may want him to be. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. We'll have to have some discussions about that and see how we would integrate him later in, in the summers if, if he can continue to develop. How was the transition for you going right back to UCLA? What's the update on this uh, having two jobs program for the for John Spra? It's pretty good. I mean, I I, uh, I think I said this before on your show. I, I was kind of wondering how I'd feel from a, a burnout perspective when I did this initially, and I, I'm feeling quite good right now. Um, but I. Yeah, it's it's always an adjustment. I mean, I think you go from playing in the world championships and the world league finals and your team is playing high-level volleyball against the best in the world, and the transition, you come back, and especially this year at UCLA, we're really young. I mean, we're basically all freshmen and sophomores. We have a, a junior middle, senior middle, and a junior setter. Um, but I mean, Everybody else in the program right now is, is freshmen and sophomores. So 
you come come from one level and then you come to another and it takes you a moment you know i was i was able to make one practice uh i went on a little vacation last week to hawaii so that was nice but uh yeah i took a break can you believe it wow so um but I didn't hit a practice before I left. You're allowed to practice one day a week now, starting September 15th. And so I was in the gym watching, and it it takes you a moment to kind of like regroup mentally and and understand exactly what your new challenge is. And so there is an adjustment phase for me. Like there's always room to talk about fundamentals uh, when you're coaching. Certainly it's true with the national team. But I mean, I, you're you're looking at some young guys who are just learning to play the game at, at UCLA and. Obviously, the national team, you're talking about different things. Um, so, you know, I'm going to have to go through that adjustment phase and figure out what needs to be done. And But it's good for me. I mean, it's good for me as a coach. I think it, it helps me uh, get back to the basics of coaching fundamentals. And, it, and then bouncing back and forth also helps me and my vision for how the game should be played at the highest level so I can bring that back to UCLA. So it kind of is beneficial, I think, both ways once I get through that adjustment phase. I had a nice Hawaiian vacation this year in August. Enjoyed it with the family. It's a beautiful place. And uh, did anything of note happen while you were in Hawaii, John? Uh, I, you know, um, I landed my uh, biggest recruit of all time. Michelle said yes when I proposed, so hey. that was a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so that happened. <laughs> so, biggest yeah, recruit of all time. All right. Just best that, recruit of all time. So yeah, no, we're very excited. How do you feel about her chances of starting? <laughs> she's she's, she's uh, in the starting lineup one hundred percent all the time. Team Sparrow, right there. Well, congratulations on that, uh, John. What's going on here with UCLA? We know that the women's team is playing their home matches at Firestone Fieldhouse on the campus of Pepperdine University, uh, located a convenient uh, fifteen miles or three hours away. Uh, what is the effect of the flooding at Poly Pavilion and, and UCLA there for you guys and your fall program? Uh, very minimal for us. But as far as I know, uh, Poly should be ready um, by November 1st. I know there's some events that I think are like November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, somewhere in there, and they're all scheduled for Poly, and I believe everything is on schedule. So for us, we usually practice in the Student Activity Center, and uh, they've moved basketballs there. So we are now practicing – in the same facility that the women use in the wooden center. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, we've had to move, but it's really going to only be for two weeks of the fall. So uh, it's, it's nothing for us. It's a, a real bummer for Sealy. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll be okay. And, and everything's gonna be okay. I mean, that was one thing when that all happened during the summer, everyone was calling and sending texts like, gosh, are you okay? I hope I'm thinking about you. You know, no one died here, okay? It's a wood floor. We'll replace it. It's just fine. <laughs> I mean, it's mind-boggling. I mean, I appreciate the support, everyone. I really do. I just, it's going to be fine. We're, we're good. <laughs> we'll get through. All right, John, uh, one last question before you go. You manage a couple of different staffs from the men's team and your UCLA team. Are we going to see any changes on the staff, any opportunities that may take people away from you? And we know we've seen it with other national team programs. We've seen it with other college coaching programs where you have to make some changes midseason. Is any of that on the horizon, or do you pretty much have your two teams in both places? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Like you said, you you never know what opportunities come up for certain people, and I – I mean, that's one thing that I would always support is you want your assistant coaches to, to have opportunities to move on and get head jobs if that's what they want. But 
I think at this point, I, I think we're in a position where everyone's locked in through 16, um, which would make me very, very happy. I mean, I, I'd certainly support them in anything that they wanted to do, but right now our staffs in both places are really good. I mean, they're they're not just good. They, they are great. And uh, I think, you know, part of this managing two jobs, you really have to have that. And I think one of the things that has made this summer so much better than past summers is I think at UCLA, uh, Brad is doing such a good job. Brad Keller is my assistant there. He's doing such a good job of managing that program during the summer when I'm gone from not only just an organizational perspective, but recruiting. Um, Bex, Andrea Becker, uh, does a little double duty with me as well. She's, she's my full-time assistant at UCLA, but uh, she's also a consultant from the sports psych side with the national team. She spent a lot of time with us this summer. Uh, we were able to use her as our head of delegation for all of our trips, so that was awesome. Because um, she obviously brings a different perspective to how we how we coach the game, and she's always been really a, a sounding board for me and, and beneficial for me. So it's great to have her there. And then uh, on the the national team side, I mean, just uh, Ferbs and Mike and Anton are just so good, and and they both bring such different uh, views to the game and different skill sets, and they complement each other so well. And, and I think this summer was really well organized. I just so much better than the summer before. You know, we got that job pretty late. And, uh, that's, I mean, Ferbs and I just trying to figure it out early in the summer. Mike came on one trip, I think, in, like, May or June and then didn't get hired until early July, until after World League was basically over. So, you know, this summer was way, way better. They're doing an awesome job. So I'm hoping everyone stays. That would be that'd be great for us. Try and keep Brad Keller away from the jump rope, will you? Just <laughs> he for is, this year. He is – Jump rope band, for sure. We I can't we can't have another year of wheeling him around. Uh, it's just that was tough. It, it made for lots of fun for my broadcasting, but I, I was just going to say, you know, great for commentary, bad for uh, bad for him and the staff. Wow, that was tough. Well, John, congratulations on a, a successful year with the national team. Best of luck with UCLA. Congratulations on your engagement. We'll look forward to uh, the wedding photos and the. Uh, the TNL broadcast live from the Sparrow <laughs> wedding. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll be all over Facebook too. I'm really big on that. <laughs> John, thanks uh, very much. We'll we'll see you soon. All right, see you guys. All right, John Sparrow, head coach of the men's national team and ruler of the South Caribbean Sea. We'll be right back here on the net live. Welcome back to the Net Live. Good stuff there from John Spurrow. Nice to be done, Jeremy. Uh, entertaining ourselves is always fun. I like his comment there. We got the job late last year. That tells you something about how he thinks mm-hmm. about the staff. It's not I mm-hmm. got the job. It's we got the job. Uh, good comments there from John at the end about his staff. Uh, fun. That was a wide-ranging interview. I got a lot of different 
random topics on here. And uh, this just in breaking news, Matt Anderson is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, David Lee, not yet old. And uh, Max Holt and Taylor Sander making huge strides this year. Back to your regularly scheduled The Net Live. Uh, good stuff from John Spraw. Hope you uh, enjoyed that and give that a listen. We need to move right to our, our next little bit here, uh, Jeremy. Each week we here on The Net Live like to bring you the College Volleyball Weekly, a recap of what was and a look at what will be via the services of the AVCA. We bring in our correspondents who are sometimes participating Sometimes just being a fan of the sport of volleyball and breaking down what has happened each week. Vinny Lopes and Brandon Rosenthal. I think we have Brandon right now, right? We have Vinny as well? I'm here. I figured two ball guys in a row. That was the plan. Just dominating. Eerily similar looking ball guys, too. Yeah, if you throw Hugh McCutcheon in there, it's it's a good time to be a bald volleyball coach. Yeah, yeah, but we have uh, Spraw and I have a much different look than than Hugh. But you and Hugh wear the same clothing. You have the same personal stylist. Well, you know, uh-huh. I don't know what to tell you on that part. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing for you on that. You got nothing, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened, to Vinny? I don't know how we lost him here. He was uh, he was all he, on about. He probably heard that this is a segment for ball guys and realized he didn't fit in and. Didn't want to, you know, push the envelope. I understand. Uh, he's got a solid head of hair, does Vinny. Let's, yeah, uh, let's does. get started with you here, Brandon. And I was looking at the results here. Number three, Penn State defeats number five, Washington, 3-0. Is it a shock? Uh, Wisconsin. Five, or, what did Wisconsin. I say? Oh, Wisconsin. Not, oh, I said Washington. No, I'm reading Wisconsin saying Washington. Sorry. Number three, Penn State defeats number five, Wisconsin, 3-0. Uh, is it... Is it not shocking that number three beats number five, perhaps how they do it, 3-0? Um, if it's any other team than Penn State, yes. But Penn State, in the equation, no, it's not. I, I, there's something about them. Again, I, I, I'm completely intrigued. I would love to uh, get inside – the blue sweater and just figure out uh, what's going on. And, and when I say that, it's, it's I admire what's going on. And it's much more than, yeah, these guys are good, blah, 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 or national champions. It's it's the scores. It's the three O's. It's that type of thing. If you remember last year, and I, I rode this all the way through, I said <clears throat> probably about midway through the conference season, I said, Look what Penn State is doing. Not just winning, but look how they're winning. And I think that carries through. And so uh, to see Penn State beat Wisconsin, I am not surprised, even though Wisconsin is a very, very talented team, um, to see them win, you know, like they did, no, I'm not surprised. Now, if you would have said Minnesota, I would be, but not Penn State. Penn State would also defeat number 17, Minnesota, Minnesota 3-1. Uh, we also have Vinny Lopes on the line. And, Vinny, I this week had the opportunity to do ASU and Arizona opening Pac-12 match for both of those teams down there in Tucson. ASU has never won in Tucson since November 7, 2007, and, in fact, never won in the tenure of Jason Watson. A hard-fought, wild, crazy five-setter back and forth, back and forth. But then both teams carry out of that 
into the Los Angeles area, and ASU beats USC, and Arizona defeats UCLA. Uh, what does this signal about the Pac-12? Well, uh, one, I think it signals what we've known all along, that this is one deep conference that has the potential to maybe have eight or nine teams in the NCAA tournament. And I think the other thing it shows, Marcy Gardner is one heck of a player. When you look at the numbers that she's putting up and just how much they're relying on her, when you think about it, she's going to finish with more than, like, or on pace finish with more than 1,000 kill attempts this season. So ASU is for real, as is the rest of the Pac-12, and it is going to be a very interesting conference season. Is you look at that schedule, you can't really think of any gimme match. Yeah, I'm with you on Macy Gardner. Macy Gardner hits the ball, and it is a different sound than anyone else hitting. It's something that we noted on our broadcast back on Wednesday. I'll actually be up at Pepperdine BYU coming up here this week. And, uh, Vinny, keeping it with you, BYU is a very intriguing team. It seems like they're doing nothing but rising. They're 2-0 in the WCC they're 11-2 and two overall. They dismantled Gonzaga and Portland this last week. They're number 11 in the poll. Do they rise any further? Yeah, I think that they're going to continue to rise further, especially when you start to look at their schedule. You know, they have some challenging matches coming up, but when you are playing in Provo, Utah, in that home environment, it's very difficult to win. Not only do you have the home atmosphere, but once again, you have the whole altitude factor with the serving that can throw off teams. Well, I'll tell you, the other team out of the WCC that I'm really intrigued about as well is going to be Pacific. I think that these potentially could be the top two teams in in the conference. Pacific has been playing great this season. They're 13-2, and and they had a big win against Loyola Marion earlier this week. Brandon, I want to ask you about the effect on the UCLA women with losing Pauly and having to play their home matches at Pepperdine. It for those that don't know, Pepperdine and UCLA are probably 20 miles apart, if that even, maybe 15 miles, but it is a rather long journey, and you're not playing in your own environment. You're not really ever playing a home match. What do you think the effect is on this team when it comes to this season? Well, there's no doubt. I mean, it's just <clears throat> the ability to relax in your own locker room and, and just have that feeling from knowing exactly where everything is and just being in that space. I think it's tough, you know, there's no doubt, but, uh, you know, like injuries to star players and things like that, you've got to find a way to rise above it. And, you know, particularly when you have a injury to a star player and let's say you've got the schedule that, you know, you mapped out eight, nine months beforehand with this, with the theory that everybody was going to be there and ready to go and things like that, you know, that schedule is not going to change. You've got to lace them up and go at it. Just like this, you know, the NCAA is not going to just give you a pass on it and everybody on your schedule is not going to, you know, just be like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll spot you one. No, no, there's blood in the water and you've got to realize that and you can make it. What we always talk about is, you can't let this define you or your season. So it can be part of it. It can be a part of the story or it can be a part of the legend, uh, hopefully the legend. But you cannot define who you are or the season that you have. Texas A&M, Brandon beats Auburn convincingly. Uh, what do we learn about either of those teams out of that? You know, it's hard to tell. Auburn is one of these uh, programs right now that's very young. Uh, they've got uh, a freshman setter, freshman outside, freshman middle. They actually took a uh, uh, a senior setter and moved her to the libero position. So Auburn's one of those teams that uh, I think 
next three or four weeks, we might be able to tell a little bit more. You know, A&M is, is a program that we've got to all kind of keep an eye on as far as the SEC goes. They had obviously a couple of big wins when they came out to the West Coast. You know, I still think Florida and Kentucky are the big programs. Interestingly enough, A&M goes to Kentucky uh, and will play them on Sunday. So that will be a key match, I think, both for Kentucky and for A&M. Uh, it, it will tell us a little bit more about how the SEC is going to shape up. Uh, unfortunately, I think the SEC is not as deep as they have been in the past. And uh, you're going to have quite a few teams beating each other, but I'm not sure we're going to be able to get a real clear-cut uh, picture of that. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Brandon, on that Sunday match. I think that's going to be really huge for Texas A&M to try to get a victory and really make it a three-team race for the conference title between them, between those two teams in Florida. Guys, I'm looking around here at some of the other teams that uh, are listed here. And CSUN is 11 and three and two and zero in the Big West. CSUN coming off uh, their most successful season in many. Uh, John, uh, Jeff Stork at the helm there with the Matadors. Uh, are the Matadors uh, a tournament threat this year? Well, I think this week and next week are, are a big test. Obviously away at Long Beach State on Friday, uh, so they only have one match this week pretty good uh and it's real interesting because they only have one match the following week as well so uh they have hawaii at home so <clears throat> these next two weeks will be great indicators if you know cal state northridge is a pretender or contender uh and and my take on it is they are a contender uh i think that they go in and get the win at long beach state and really take uh, Hawaii to the limits. I think Hawaii ends up getting the victory, but I think uh, Northridge is going to do some great stuff. This is a tough week uh, <clears throat> for some of the teams that were knocking on the door to get into the top 25. You look at App State, they go on the road and lose two matches that uh, they probably shouldn't have. Um, you know That hurts them. Wyoming, same thing. They go on the road and lose two matches. So start a conference place for some teams that uh, – we're knocking on uh, the door to get into the top 25. It's not easy. Now, one team that you know really made a move was Oklahoma going to Kansas, or excuse me, uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, Kansas was up 2-0 and then proceeded to get beat in uh, the next three sets. So, uh, big win for Oklahoma there. Another team that was just on the outside looking in was Duke. They won over Georgia Tech and Miami this past week. Vinny, uh, what else are we missing here of note from this past week? Uh, no, I think that we highlighted all the big matches. Um, you know, One match I do want to point on just a little bit because I poke a little fun at it on social media. So I do want to give congrats to Carolina AT. They were playing a match. They were 0-16 on the season playing another team, North Carolina Central, that was also 0-16 on the season. And in the ultimate battle, North Carolina AT came out one in four games for their first win of the season. I I don't think they're going to be ranked at one in sixteen. I haven't seen the official poll out in front of me, but all seriousness, it, it's good when you see a team get at least one win for the season. You never want to see a team go winless the entire season, just given all the hard work the coaches and players put in. What what would you win if you win like the North Carolina championship? What would that trophy look like? Is that going to be like a lighthouse from the Outer Banks? Is it going to be a monster truck? Is it going to be 
I don't know. Shotgun. It's a big tar heel. <laughs> a big, a, no, I know what it is. A big, like, jug of moonshine. <laughs> What's Tennessee going to say about that, though? I thought you win that if you were in Tennessee. Maybe it's a different color jug. Well, it's, that's like East Tennessee and North Carolina. They kind of run into each other. Okay. It's so very, could, yeah. It could be its own little state there. The west part of I'm North Carolina not- and the east part of yeah, east of Knoxville and uh, like west of Asheville, it's yeah. it's its own little area. Yeah. yeah. The dirty hey, I got, river running through the area. That seems, <laughs> sounds about That's right. <laughs> I gotta say this: uh, we gotta give props to Florida State. Uh, a three-zero victory, Florida State. Uh, yeah, Chris Poole. Big 3-0 victory over North Carolina. A hard-fought one, uh, you know, 22-22-30. Um, with the Wisconsin loss, you, I think you got to move Florida State up into the top five. I, I really do. I think that uh, they've had a fantastic season so far, 13-0, and and then 2-0 and in the ACC, and uh, they haven't dropped many sets. So this is a, this is a program that went out and played some tough teams, and uh, they've got wins over Florida, Marquette, Iowa State, Nebraska, you know, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M. This, this, this team is uh, for real. Perhaps some coaches struggling with their voting with the order and not turning in their ballots on time. We are still waiting for the latest poll from the ABCA. Vinny, give me some upcoming matches that you're going to be watching this next week. Well, the big one that I have circled on my calendar is going to be Friday night when you have Penn State and Nebraska. You know, Penn State, as we talked about earlier, fantastic start to the conference season. And Nebraska, you know, you look at their record right now, it's impressive, but they really haven't had a big signature victory yet this season. So, you know, big opportunity for both teams in that match. So I'm really intrigued on that. And then sticking in the Midwest, you know, the other match I'm really intrigued on, it's a mid-major one, is going to be Northern Illinois and Western Michigan. This Northern Illinois team, you know, their record's a little bit deceiving because they had a tough non-conference schedule, but it, there are some good things brewing right now in DeKalb, Illinois. I would expect for this team to maybe make a good run through the Mid-American Conference. All right, Rosenthal. Uh, I want to see this Oregon Stanford match on Friday. I think Oregon's got some really good young players. Obviously, they run a fast-paced offense. I'd love to see what they do up against Stanford and Cal this weekend. Should be interesting. You know, we haven't talked about it, but we I think it needs to be talked about before we go is USC. Yeah. You know, is it uh, what's going on? You know, there's all these questions. Is it time to hit the panic button? I still don't think it's time, but – They've got to get some things going, and this week is not an easy week. Uh, they go to Washington, obviously a tough match there. But Washington State's a, a team that they don't need to fall asleep on, and uh, obviously this is a tough road trip nonetheless because it's a Washington on Wednesday and then Washington State on Friday. So a lot of things going on. You miss a lot of class you know, with two in-week matches. Do not sleep on Jen Greeny. Don't do it. You will pay. Uh, yeah, there are no easy matches inside the Pac-12 this year. I think that's what we're we're learning, and USC struggling a bit. Uh, I'm looking forward to Pepperdine at or pardon me BYU at Pepperdine, 
And then ASU at Utah happening on Sunday at 11 on Pac-12 Networks. The poll just in. Brandon Rosenthal, let's see here. Stanford 1, Texas 2, Penn State 3, Washington 4, Florida State 5, Wisconsin 6, Colorado State, Nebraska, Florida, BYU round out your top 10. And it's Oregon, North Carolina, Kentucky, Arizona, Purdue, Illinois, Arizona State, Minnesota, USC all the way down to 19 from 9, taking a beating right there. And UCLA holds tight at 20 based on their results. Texas A&M at 21. Loyal Marymount, San Diego, Hawaii, and Duke sneaks in based on those two victories we were talking about. Teams dropping out Kansas, and there's a whole host of other teams hoping to get in. Uh, CSUN Pacific on that list, two teams that have been mentioned here. Anything we have missed, gentlemen? You know, one thing about that Pepperdine-BYU match is Troy Tanner actually coached Olmstead uh, when he played at BYU. So a little, little professor kind of uh, student match there. Nice. Young grasshopper. We will see how it goes. I like it. And that's good for my broadcast, too. Thank you, Brandon. All right. Always working for you. Always working. Always working. Pay me for four. You always get four. Vinny, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brandon. Good job, boys. Thanks, guys. All right. That'll do it for College Volleyball Weekly. There's your recap. Dominated. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, let's get right to Women's World Champs. Yep. We alluded to it earlier in our Fashion Police segment, but uh, Universal is covering it with no announcers. Online. Not, not be in sports. Yeah. Just no Online. announcers. And let's be clear here. There was a discussion going on in the chat board. Thank you to be in for broadcasting it. Be better next time. Keep doing it, but be better, Please. You broadcast it live. That was incredible. You carried the feed. It looked pretty. Happy for it to be on TV. All that was good. Yeah, absolutely. All that was good. Just make the announcing better. Strive to be better next time. Uh, Women's World Champs, my main thing. I cannot wait for the unveiling of the stunning new trophy. Just like the men. Stunning. Stunning yep. new trophy. A uh, few notes for the women's team. They are off to a 5-0 and start. Really, no challenges in the first round until Russia. Russia. Yeah. Russia was the big match. Huge match. Both teams, I believe, coming in undefeated. But they handled their business in the ones that they were supposed to handle their business in. Absolutely. You know, it's not like they went five and were like, oh, nope. yeah, they won. Like They came in, handled their business, kept it moving. You heard John Spraw mention that he was disappointed in the slow start of the men's team. It was five sets with Brazil or with Belgium, five sets with Iran. You don't want to go five sets for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. The points are high among them, but We've discussed the point system before here. Three points for a win in three or four. Two points for a win in five. One point for a loss in yep. five. You don't want to give away those points. But Correct. you also don't want to play that much volleyball because you're playing back-to-back days or back-to-back-to-back or back-to-back off one and back-to-back yep. again. Yep. There's just too much volleyball going on for you to go five. The Americans have not gone five on the women's side at all in that first round with those five victories. They carry the maximum number of points on into round two, so that's a good thing. And uh, this this new woman, uh, Krista Dietzen, she's pretty good. Uh, who is this player? Oh, first, wait. First time to the national team. <laughs> Don't even know where she went to college. Just kind of came out of nowhere. I, yeah, from out of nowhere. Uh, you know, dream start. Cinderella story. Played in her church league. <laughs> really good. Church league in Norfolk, Nebraska. Uh, Krista Harmado is who Krista Dietzen is, those who don't know. She got married uh, to a gentleman I believe she met on an airline flight. 
cool. A while back, if I'm remember, remembering my Facebook story correctly that uh, Krista put up, she had a, a pretty incredible match against Russia. And Oh, first, thanks to Krista for not hyphenating. Enough with the freaking hyphens. That really bothers you. It's hard. I can't get it all in in between not points. A, not about you, Kevin. Your name should not be that long. Drop one. What if, they, one. what if they have built a brand for so long on one name? Keep one. No. I don't like your attitude. Kerry Walsh. Jennings. <laughs> Dang it. Anyways, Krista Harmato, uh, five blocks in set number one, including no. I think it was four to open. Yeah, take that. It was ridiculous. Phil-esque. Eight for the match. Mm-hmm. And it must be the shoes because she's wearing the hot pink kicks. Yeah, you love those. Dude, those, nobody else had those on. How do you get away with that? The FIVB normally kicks down on that, and I don't know why. Yes, Mars. Uh, but it, <laughs> you're welcome. It's got to be the shoes. Yes, Mars. It's my main man, Money. <laughs> That's what we'll call her now. She'll be Chris Money. Money Dietzen. Hyphen that, hyphen that, Kevin. Yeah, we'll hyphen yeah. that. We'll go with the yeah. nickname. No problem with the hyphen there. So the United States in this battle with Russia, and it was a battle. Set one, 34-32 USA. <sighs> Set two, 25-19 USA, looking good. Yep. Set three, 29-31 Russia. Wonder uh, how many opportunities they had for, if they had opportunities for match in that. I, I did not get a chance to watch the whole thing. There was a great crowd in Verona. Yep. The, the arena looks fantastic. Set number four, 26-24 USA. Take that, Russia. Oh, my Goodness, Russia uh, with the services of Gamova once again, uh, Katerina Gamova, six foot eight, tallest woman to ever compete. Yeah, uh, I got a chance to to see another lovely uh, athlete in six foot eight at the six foot eight size. Uh, she did not know about her international counterpart in Katerina Gamova. Ashley mm-hmm. Harris plays mm-hmm. for Arizona. Mm-hmm. She's six foot eight. And she's been an impactful presence for the Wildcats in their last couple of matches. Pressed into service there as a sophomore. Uh, she's been excellent. <clears throat> Six foot eight in the women's game is basically like being oh seven two seven three in the men's game seven yeah. four. Uh, you are a rare mammal when it comes to being that big. But uh, <clears throat> Gamova not enough for Russia to overcome the United States. Uh, really fast offense from the United States to the outside. I noticed Kim Hill, Jordan Larson, Burbach had a fantastic match. Twenty points, only thirteen kills, a whole host of aces. For uh, Jordan Larson, really nice job. See, there's another one of those hyphens, Larson Burbach. Yeah. Anyway. Don't get upset with that. Caleb Banworth taking over at Libero for uh, every match I've seen results for. Uh, so she's been doing a good job there. So a little bit of the winds of change here. Uh, also, Faluka Akinrodowo back uh-huh. in the middle. Mm-hmm. Fantastic athlete. Uh, in Faluka Akinrodowo, really enjoying watching her play. So uh, there's your update. USA women will play, and this second round is a little bit harder. October 1st, 2nd, then the 4th and the 5th. They will get Turkey and Bulgaria, followed by Serbia and Brazil. This second round is going to be tough. Who's the starting setter right now? Is it Courtney? No, Glass. Alicia Glass. Glass. Okay. Yeah, Alicia Glass playing some nice defense out of the setter position. Yeah. I think uh, Alicia Glass really rounding into a nice international player. Uh, she's done a good job because she struggled quite a bit coming in, even though she's highly touted out of college. Took her a little while to world. kind of find her uh, footing a little bit, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, which, ha- which it happens. Yeah. So she's uh, she's continuing to improve, Alicia Glass. I guess a Courtney, someone sent me a Courtney uh, Thompson ace to win it. That's what 
I think it was either USA Volleyball or BJ Evans tweet, which who I was following during the match. I appreciate that, both of you. Uh, I think it was Courtney Thompson ace to win the match against Russia, fantastic. if I remember correctly. That is fantastic. I am sleep-deprived, so I could have made it up. Yeah, I'm um, I'm looking forward to, well, a week of work for me, but I will check back with the Women's World Champs. I don't know that I will have a chance to watch. If you do, it is live-streamed on Universal Sports, although... I can make my own commentary. You can make your own commentary, although Universal Sports, oh, they've no. been broadcasting volleyball for eight or nine years? Yeah. Women's World Championships, Men's World Championships, whatever the end of the year event is. Uh, also, World League matches here and there. And World Grand Cup, Prix. World League. Yet, when you click on the Our Sports tab on the front page of their site, and I've said this to them several years ago now, volleyball is not even listed. Oh, it says beach volleyball. It yes. does not say volleyball. Yes, Kevin. You cannot find volleyball no. via that tab. Apparently, beach is more important. Are you kidding me? It's your own product. You show a substantial amount of it and have for years. Get it on your front page. Please. Sorry, we love beach. Please. Uh, Courtney was brought in to serve against Russia, and she has started at the setter a couple matches, according to BJ Evans. Thank you very much. I like it. I like it. Huge disparity between second-round pools. Very unbalanced, says uh, Nittany Lyon. I'll have to look at those. That happened. The third round of the men's world championships, if you're familiar with that one, that was a ridiculous I don't recall. setup. Poland, Brazil, Russia on you, one side, Iran, Germany, France on the other. Because even in the second round, it's still pool play. You go back into pool play Correct. for the second round. Correct. Gotcha. So. And we, according to Vinny, are in the first place already with the most points going into the second round. I don't know what that means for... Well, they have the maximum amount of points, yeah. So they're... They're carrying gotcha. the maximum number of but, points. But I mean, I don't know what that means, like, as far as who you match up against in your pool. Like, do you get a quote unquote weaker pool if you're the number one seed? You know? Like, does it go one to whatever the bottom one is in your pool? I have to look at gotcha. it. I, I don't know. I don't remember how it goes. Uh, I don't we've got too much other stuff going on. I understand. Can't, can't, cover, can't cover all bases with just me. Come on, Kevin. If I was doing the broadcast, I could tell you. Cam Kerr says no. Okay. Uh, FIVB Brazil. Beach yep. volleyball. Yep. This, Finally, we're talking beach. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, it's the only reason I showed up today. Hang on, let me talk about six eight clothing first. Oh boy. Because I want you to, I want you to get some six eight clothing. Not you, I don't, Jeremy. Per yeah. se. I would love if I could fit into six eight clothing. I would. You're five foot seven and a half. Easy. Uh, Easy. The kids have been playing with the whiteout here on my sheet. That's yes. nice. Thanks, boys. Look at this. <laughs> Can barely read the six eight ad anymore because. Why do they have whiteout? Thanks, fellas. I don't know what... Can't wait for them to come home today and they're in trouble and they have no idea what they're in trouble for. Oh, man. It was some sort of weekend with them at the end and then this morning with homework. You know what you should do? You should go into their room with the white out and white things out on there. <laughs> just just to... How do you guys like it? <laughs> Take some white paint and spread it all over their uh, room. That's awesome. We want you to shop at 6-8 Clothing Company. I know we have some people that are that are fans of this show. Thank you very much. If you are 6-3 or above, know someone who is 6-3 and above. You know they need some fashion help. The options are few. This is a good one. 6-8 Clothing Company. That's 6, the number 8, and clothingcompany.com or at amazon.com. It is a casual clothing line designed by a tall man for tall men. And why is that important? Well, anyone can make jeans longer, but they can't make them actually fit tall, athletic, 
people. They have larger pockets. They have bigger zipper handles. They have all the things that you want as a tall, athletic man. Dress well, live tall, go and visit 6-8 Clothing Company. It's also quite stylish. They're having some sales. I believe there's a 50% off sale going on right now. They're clearing out some of their inventory to make room for some new stuff, and they've been periodically putting some new things out. And it's an opportunity for you to either yourself or help someone else dress better, look better, pick up more women, make your wife attracted to you again. All those things can happen via the 6A Clothing Company. Awesome. Yes. Not now, speaking from experience, just saying. Uh, it's working for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll tell you about my Saturday night. Anyways, uh, okay, FIVB Brazil, Brasil, which ends up being springtime in Brazil. Yeah, love it. And the end of beach volleyball for the year. No more yeah, AVPs, no more FIVBs. Some, well, there's some opens, just this last Grand Slam of well, the year. Grand Slam, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, last, last one we care about. Um, <laughs> and Brazil kind of got the band back together, Emmanuel and Ricardo. Well, Brazil is off the national team program. Yeah, they're like, you can pick your own partners again. And you can pick your own pro. You can have your own coach. You yeah. can, that whole thing, that failed. Yeah. Miserably. Well. Yeah. But they, they really went circus with it. That was like... They went all out. Yeah, like, not only are we taking over... But we're going to deliberately change everything. Yeah. Everything. Yep. Oh, here we go. Norseca is next weekend in San Diego. Thank you, Ed Chan. I'm sorry. There is more beach volleyball. Yeah, there is more beach volleyball. I'll be in Florida next weekend for a volleyball event, Kevin. Okay. I was trying to put a cap on the season. But it is. The AVP is over. Actually, I think the NVL has a tournament this weekend somewhere in Florida as well. That's not why I'm going to Florida, just in case anybody's wondering. Maybe I just wanted a cap on it. Maybe. Maybe, maybe I just but it's wanted the last Grand Slam of the year. Yeah. Last AVP of the year. A lot of the year. biggest events are over. There are still some events happening. So what you're saying is this is the last beach thing we're going to talk about until next April. <laughs> no, not necessarily. retire from the show. Until <laughs> <then>. <laughs> well, kind of auspicious results. Uh, no Phil and Rosie. They, they've shut it down for the year. Phil with an abdominal strain. That is it. Mm-hmm. Carrie in April. Seated two. Finished fifth, lost to Italy in the third round. Uh, Carico and Decello finished ninth. Their first. Decello? Decello. Decello. Okay. Their first international event together. It's pretty good, ninth. If I'm not mistaken. Day and Ross, they finished 17th. Uh, is this partnership going to make it to 2015? You want my gut feeling? Yeah. No. Okay. I, I got to think there are some issues there from stuff that, that I've heard and the results this year, not nearly. Well, neither. Previous year and neither was. one of them can be. Look, we talk about on the show, they came on strong last year. And when you have the year you had last year, teams are going to adjust to you. Then it's your turn to adjust. Um, they did make a finals in the AVP this year. Um, so we'll see what they uh, we'll see what happens with them in the offseason and next season. Get 1,700. Look for Day Ross to separate soon. <laughs> soon. As that's in, as that's in, ominous. As in, it's over. As in now, like, are they back from... Uh, <laughs> Like they walk different directions off the court yeah. after the win. And no, like it. off the plane. Like no one they, has spoken to each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, all three men's teams lost in the second round. The remaining teams, Hyde and Bourne, were seeded fifth. They lost to the number 26-ranked team out of Turkey. Uh, seeded ninth were given Patterson. Poland, the 16th seed, took them out. 27 seeded Meyer and Bruner. Meyer and Bruner, interesting. Netherlands uh, took them out, the 13th seed, uh, including Reindeer Numidor, who I think is 57 years old. That would be John Mayer, by the way, in case you're wondering. Yes, John Mayer. No. And Theo. Theodore. Lord. Lord Theodore Brunner. Could that potentially be a team for next year, Kevin? Potentially. What uh, What does Todd do? Uh, uh, what does Nick Lucena do? What does Ryan Doherty do? Uh, 
I don't know. I have no idea what you're doing. I don't know. (laughs) Just just trying to verbally mimic some of Todd's uh, body language. (laughs) Nice. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Todd's going to continue to play. Uh, Remarkable that he is still playing at the level he has been. Uh, I would say I have no clue. No clue. One question I have is, out of a lot of the beach volleyballs we know, who beach still volleyballs or beach volleyball players? Because those <laughs> we know some balls. Those are two different things, Kevin. Beach volleyballers yeah. that we know. Yeah. Uh, who still has to get a real job? Meaning, in the intervening time here, when you're not potentially earning a paycheck or just spending money on travel to get knocked out in the second round, who has to go get a job from now until April of next year? People who are not in the USAV program. Okay. Any other partnerships that aren't going to last the winter? We we know one that may not last the fall. Yeah. Um, I think the top. I mean, I've, I think Jake and Casey will stay together. Rosie and Sean will still stay together. They had a good season. They just haven't been able to put a full season together yet as their partnership. But they're not going to split that up. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Nick and Ryan and Theo and, you know, is Brad Keenan still in there? John Mayer in there? You know, what are all those guys going to do? Um, Hayden and Bourne, I don't know what has been officially said or not said or whatever, but is John ready to make a full-time commitment to go for the Olympics? This is his, This was his first season kind of doing both, playing internationally full-time and domestically full-time. So is he? Uh, he's still playing at a really high level, and I would love to see him continue to play until he can't play anymore because he's still one of the best players in the world, in my opinion, right now. So him and uh, him and try, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so I think the big questions, like I said, are would be you know that shuffle of Nick and Ryan and Theo and John Mayer and Brad Keenan. Like, how's that all going to work itself out next year? So if Ranger Numidor is 52 years old, that would make John Hyden uh, 61? Sure. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Remarkable, John Hyden. No. How much longer can he play? Well, I mean, he's still playing at a really high level, so apparently a long time. Jeez. Way to go, Johnny. Good for you. All right. What else are we missing on beach? No, just the fact that I miss it. Well, you're going to miss it a lot soon. I did my recap since I, since I declared it over. Yeah, pretty much. I did my recap for the for volleyball magazine. Oh, so you did a recap, but the season's not over. I did my AVP recap, oh, oh, Kevin. I see. Pay attention. Um, and it took a little, took me a while to actually write it. Like I kept putting it off because yeah. I knew after I finished writing it that actually meant the season was over. Oh. I was a little nostalgic about it. Matt did, Gardhoff didn't shed a tear though. You know, Gardhoff mentioned the AVP versus NVL Sports Center piece. Yeah, did you really take it as a verse? They were just kind of talking about both. They weren't really. I saw the article. I did not see the Sports Center piece. This, the piece was less verse than the article was. And I'm glad that they uh, eventually fixed the article that had Geeter announcing on uh, Center Court. And so, not, Dustin? Dustin, who I'm, sure, Dustin. who I'm sure was not pleased at all whatsoever. Dustin. Um, I did see that the NetLive had tweeted at ESPN and the writer to let them know that they were incorrect with that information. Not saying that the NetLive should get credit for fitting it. Just saying mm-hmm. that uh, it wasn't long after that that it was corrected. 
but it um I don't know, Kevin. Like I feel set events isn't a lot. We did you know, we really had like five events in like six or seven weeks towards the end of the season. So you started getting in a groove and going and the weather's still been really nice here in California. Um so I'm not really mentally or emotionally prepared for it to be October and for basketball to start. Yeah, basketball is getting underway. McGee is already in uh, media day meetings for the Lakers. Hopefully that improves for him this year. Well, last year was not good. My first Clippers uh, home preseason game, October 7th. That would be next week, Kevin. Wow. Yeah. Not ready. Wow. Not mentally prepared for basketball yet. And that's okay. Still summertime. I have one more beach event this weekend, and then before the, they pin you inside, the day after I come back, it is basketball time. Just posted on the Facebook page the Nike plane. We added a, a link that has a ton of pictures, a lot more pictures than I've seen. Pretty cool stuff in there. Uh, good, good stuff here on the chat board, folks. Uh, asking some good questions uh, about different things here. A uh, battle of the beach, it was called. Various people pumping their particular tour. Yeah, I don't know. Who, I, I think they're two different animals. Actually. You read the piece, though, right? I read that thing, yeah. Yeah, so the piece was, I mean, it kind of talked about the difference of the tours and kind of the direction that each is going. Right. My concern is that the piece would confuse potential sponsors a little bit. Um, I know the NVL thinks... <sighs> <laughs> They they call themselves a professional tour, and I I get it because you're paying money, but you're the D League. Well, and and there's nothing, and that's fine if that just you know it's kind of like know your role in a certain case. But like, does the EVP tour consider themselves a professional tour because they give out prize money too? Hey, they give out beach chairs at CBVA. Well, that's that's like what we've come back to this. That's question That's an NCAA again. violation. Yeah, well, we come back to this question again. Like, um, what constitute a professional tour? Well, we're going to get in the weeds here of what means that, what does it mean to be professional? Because well, you can go out to your local bar and you can win perhaps more money than you can win for a reasonable finish on a, quote, professional tour. So in order to be professional is not just a money-based thing. It is, a, in my mind, a certain level of money. Because there's lots of stuff that pays money for different sports, but it's not a profession. You can still be amateur-level while making a little bit of money. You have to be able to make a living at it, in my opinion, to be a professional. In that case, there are very few professionals playing the sport of beach volleyball today. Agreed. Because there are very few people making a, quote, living. But the AVP can pay people to make a living at professional beach volleyball. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. Yeah. How many people is a different discussion. Well, that's... Can they pay people? Yes, there are people. As in, like, I am a professional DJ. It's right. what I do for a living. I get paid to do it. It's what I've been doing. It's my career. There are a lot of other DJs I know that will claim they are professional DJs, but just because you get paid 100 bucks to do a wedding once a month <laughs> does not make you said professional. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah, there's, there's some of that discussion going on. I think the NVL has a nice niche. I think that the direction Albert has been taking it makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. From a standpoint of supporting the junior organizations and providing youth opportunities and rank, uh, that's that I think is bound to be a successful business model. Where we have our doubts about the business model of 
the recent structure of professional, quote, professional beach volleyball? Well, we don't know the business model. I mean, we know the business model as in we're going to build up the live events to make them fun and exciting and yeah, let's not get in the weeds on this. Yeah, that's true. We right now, it's a long discussion that we've had <laughs> what too time many is it times. Right? What time is it right? Yeah, it's time for the show to end. <laughs> uh, I wanted to bring up one more thing, Jeremy, before we get off okay. the air, and that was something that was bothering me this week. Uh, you have to have come across this in, in your life, and what Possibly. made me think of it was you saying you're a professional DJ. I am, at this point, a professional announcer. Yep. wouldn't say that six, seven years ago when this program started. It's true now. I get aggravated with oh, people boy. who... Don't know what they're doing. Period. At the production level oh, of okay. things, who uh-huh. then doubt that I know, I know what I'm doing. I know. Because they are nervous about their ability to perform their job, correct? Or their lack of knowledge of how to perform their job, they then decide to doubt if I can do my job. That projects onto you. Yep. And this isn't any television network I work for. This is a completely separate entity. And I came across that this week and. Damn it if it didn't just kind of frustrate me, listening to people and their nerves about a situation. Mm-hmm. And I have to actually say, this is what I do for a living. I don't just come in, to your point about somebody who has another job and DJs a wedding. I don't just show up one day a week. I do this seven days a week on a variety of different networks for a variety of different sports. Mm-hmm. I can handle your little program. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's like if, you had, if you're an advertising executive and some little company comes in and asks you, after you've done campaigns for General Motors, IBM, Apple, mm-hmm. several other large conglomerates, mm-hmm. somebody from the local pub decides to hire you and come in and say, I don't know if you're really equipped to handle our brand <laughs> and what we want to accomplish here. I'm not sure why he sounds kind of like yeah, the, curious. the uh, uh, teacher from South Park. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm not sure you're ready for our brand, okay? Yeah, I just, I'm like, dude, really? I got to deal with this? Sometimes I, do, I don't do a great job of, uh, I don't like to use the word brag, but letting people know what I have done in my career. It's a and strange some, thing to have uh, to do. Because you have to self-promote yourself in certain ways. And I do feel that like I'm bragging when I say that I do certain things, but it's not... Uh, it's factual that you do them. Yeah, it is factual, and I've been doing what I, I've been doing what I've been doing a long time. So not only do I know the music side of it, I know a lot of the other things, the entertainment side of it, what works, what doesn't work, just because I've been around it for so long. You know? Yes. So then when people who are new to the sport or, okay. like you said, haven't, yeah, have not done maybe, I would never be able to tell you, oh, you know what, Kevin, maybe you're on the podcast, you should do this. Because mm-hmm. I've never done that before, Kevin. I don't know. Right. You know, I can come to it as from a fan's perspective, maybe. But, also, you realize that what we do for a living, our jobs are in the public eye. So everybody sees what we do. So everybody has an opinion about it. True that. Especially music. Everybody has an opinion about music, Kevin. Well, my my thing is opinion-based only, as is yours. Yeah. Are you a good DJ? Well, depends on who you ask. Am I a good host or a play play? Well, yeah. depends on who you ask. Yeah, absolutely. There's <laughs> no, like, he does this, so that means he's good, or he does that. I mean, there it is. It's... 
there's a scale to it for sure. Yes. Yeah. And it depends on the people who are writing your checks. If they think you're good, they will continue to write you checks. If they don't, then they will not. True that. We hope people continue to write us checks to do this program. We get checks for this? Uh, no. No. Thanks for the net live. Although I do have a gift on order for you. Should be here. <laughs> See, when you say things like that, it really, like I get concerned. I'm concerned when you say stuff like that. In two weeks, when we return on this show, because we are <laughs> off next Monday, it should be here by then. Oh. I will present you with your small token of appreciation. Small, very small. Very token. small, like my and, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, as nice as it looked in the photo item. That's great. Uh, I have breaking news for you. Oh, yeah. We already broke a bunch of news. I know. And I don't. Raw engagement yeah, on the show. I don't have. Man, Anderson is good. David Lee, not old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Bill Sigler of Smack Sportswear fame. Yes. Is no longer the CEO of Smack Sportswear. Has he been forced out? Uh, he has. Hold on. Let me read. This is exciting radio. You're reading. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, let me read it. Um, he has been replaced on the. He's still on the board. He has stepped down. So Christopher Jenkins is now the chairman of the board. Christopher Jenkins. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, who wouldn't hire Christopher yes. Jenkins? I mean, he's he's remarkable. So who the hell is Christopher Jenkins? I don't know. It, it says. Where did you find this news? Uh, and Bill? why is Kim Hill featured on their page? <laughs> They haven't played volleyball in the United States in like eight years. All right. Yeah, so the leading brand designer today announced the appointment of Christopher Jenkins as chairman of the board as well as a resignation of SMAC CEO Bill Sigler. Bill will still, um, under another company that he owns, will still be a uh, seller of SMAC Sports, but he is no longer the CEO, but he does remain on the board. He's a board member. Because if you remember recently, SMAC went public. Right. Yeah. So they go public, and then they get rid of the founder. No, I don't know how that all works. Interesting. Very interesting. Christopher, oh, it's Jenks. Did I say Jenkins? Not Jenkins, yeah, it's Jenks. Sorry, I haven't slept a lot. It's, uh, yeah, okay. Jar Jar Binks and Christopher Jenks, chairman of the board. Mr. Jenks has a lengthy resume in sporting goods and apparel industry. MBA from UCLA, undergrad from Notre Dame. Oh, that sounds nice. Chief Marketing Officer for Epic Sports. This is a qualified dude. Well, interesting. Bill said he's going to pursue other opportunities, spend more time with his family, and attain personal goals. He is still a board director, owns 50% of the company, and under his Magnum Venture Partners Corporation will be the sole distributor for SMAC, selling and servicing our core customers. Interesting. No. Interesting. So congrats to Bill. All right. No, breaking news. Congratulations, Bill. Thanks for supporting this show. Thanks to the ABCA. 68clothingcompany.com. 68clothing. Go and visit them for the 6'3 and above person in your life. In your life. In your life. Uh, get out and get your tickets for Oklahoma City. That's coming up. We are planning to be there and do our special convention show, which is always a good one. Three hours of complete mayhem and Ray Gooden, usually. Not to mention Bemba Dupa Memba, who has been on, I think, every single show. That we've ever done from convention. Well, and now too, after last year, I'm really expecting him. Like his when he showed up, like his outfit game was on fire. His shoe game yeah. was tight. I mean, he he looked good. Yeah, Ben Badipo, you're on notice, buddy. You better you better at least hold the line as far as fashion yeah. goes. Yeah, if you dip at all, like if you show up in like in a hoodie with holes in it and sweatpants, I'm going to be thoroughly disappointed. And feel free to bring more to the game. Oh, he was fantastic. Oh yeah, but feel free to kick it up even more and like blow our mind. Like yeah. Absolutely blow If he mind. shows up, well, I guess he couldn't. 
Someone put Ben on what's blast. What's the mascot? What's his? He's Cal? The Bears. If he shows up in the Bear... With the Bears suit? Mascot suit. That with, would... with cool shoes? Oh, that would be legit. <laughs> I wonder if Bucky will make it there again. I wonder if I'm going to get to be Bucky. Are you going to be the Badger? I hope so. That's that's kind of put into the works, right? Thanks to you, the listener. Please send us an email at netlive <laughs> at gmail.com. Please send us an email. I don't know. Just because. If you have a question, a comment, a curiosity. I don't know. Send us something. Why not? We read them. Yeah. We may not mention it. We may mention it. But we do read it. We mentioned them today. 100%. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jeremy, for coming over to do the show. Remember, we are off next week. Yes, people, we do get weeks off. We will yeah. not be going to Hawaii to get engaged. Well, maybe Jeremy could. Uh, but we will take a week off. So we will be back in two weeks' time with a new show and a lot more to talk about. Uh, probably some more beach since the beach season is over. Uh, that's Finally, it. talk about yeah. beach. <laughs> He's Jeremy. I'm Kevin. Thanks for being here. We'll see you on the Net Live sometime soon. Only the top four teams make it to the championship round. But who will celebrate the ultimate victory at the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship? Be there up close to take in all the exciting action. Get right back at it. And the best way to see it is to experience it live. Could be a big moment. The 2014 NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship, December 18th and 20th at Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. Affordable tickets available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.